We're doing this series I mentioned, Digging In, Digging In, or an in-depth look at the love of God. That's kind of the theme behind Romans. I'm going to carry a shovel around today for no reason. <laughs> because we're talking about digging deep. We do not, we're not people that dig deep so well anymore. We, you know, I'm going to sound, okay, I'll, I'll just, I'll give you the, the apology right now. I'm going to sound a little bit like a crotchety old man today. I am. <laughs> But the truth of the matter is, is that, that, that everything around us is conspiring to where we're doing life more on a superficial level, including studying scripture, including reflecting uh, and thinking about God. We, we're just not, we're, we're not engaged on the deepest levels because we don't really have time to do it. I, I go to a spiritual director. A spiritual director is a, somebody who's uh, trained to help just coach you in your relationship with God. And um, our pastors all do that as part of our um, accountability and, and, uh, and, and, yeah, health. And, um, and mine happens to be a, a psychologist too, which is great because I'm super messed up. And, um, <laughs> and I was with her on Friday and the first question she asked me is, so, so how are you? And the answer, I didn't, I couldn't answer it. I didn't know how I was. I couldn't, I had not stopped to think so how are you doing? How's your soul? How's your heart? How's your mind? Like, what's going on with you? Can anybody resonate with that? We just zoom through the things that we're about without pausing, without reflecting, without thinking deeply. Uh, I'm, I finished a book this um, fall uh, called The Shallows by Nicholas Carr. Has anybody read that? It's two, actually 2010 is that book. And it's a book about the changes that's happening in our brain and therefore in our culture uh, because of the technology that exists today. And one of the things that uh, he says is that it's so changing the way that we uh, think that we're losing our ability to understand the nuance of an argument if, in fact, it takes a number of sort of propositions to get to the place where we get what the point is. In other words, sort of the philosophical laying out a foundation and building evidence and moving to, therefore, this is what is true, is being lost on all of us because we don't have the ability to track anymore. I, I, I saw an internet article that said that uh, it, was, it was written for people who were designing websites. It was written in 2004, and it said, hey, if you own a website, you have 59 seconds uh, to capture some, somebody's, uh, to, you have their 59 seconds of attention. So whatever you want to say, you got to do it, and they'll be there for 59 seconds. That was 2004. In 2007, it's 15 seconds. And as of 2011, I don't even know what it is now, but in 2011, it was seven seconds. So we stay, you and me, go to a website and give it a full seven seconds of our attention. <laughs> have you been to our church's website, by the way? I have wasted a lot of time on you people. That's all I got to say. <laughs> there are a lot of things on that website. So we're becoming people who don't reflect. We don't think deeply. We don't track point to point and thought to thought. And similarly, we can get in that place in our relationship with God where we're not digging deep and we're not analyzing well the truths. And so we thought, well, we're going to continue like we do uh, every second or third series. We go right into some scriptures, open them up, and let them just pour out for us. And we're going to dig deep into Romans 8. So I want you to turn into Romans 8 in your Bible. I love everybody to have a, grab a Bible that's um, either the ones in your phone or on your lap or in the chair in front of you. And I want you to turn to Romans 8. This is uh, what Ben started last week. Uh, page number for the church Bible, somebody? 1043. 1043. 
Um, so I'd love to have everybody to have a Bible in front of them. Got a Bible there, Juan? I would not have embarrassed him except that he looked at me like this. Um, where, we, where we started here was we're digging deep into the love of God. This is a really, really intense passage, Romans 8 is, with a lot of theological depth and sort of some hard truths for us postmodern and postmodern people. And we're going to go through it verse by verse so that we, don't, we make sure that we don't miss anything that God has to say. And we're going to do it in a way that hopefully you're reflecting even further than the 30 minutes we have right now so that you're actually able to put the thoughts together and reflect on what it means for you. Last week, Ben talked about the fact that God loves us so much that he's not going to let us stay separated from him. That's, the kind of, that's my words, but that's the summary of his sermon and of verses 1 through 4. It's the good news. Remember, he talked about this intimacy and, and, and relationship that God wants to have with us, and he did that through Christ going to the cross on our behalf to open a relationship, make the way for relationship with us. Remember at the end, he talked about coming back to our first love, coming back into that relationship with God. And so um, that's the first four verses. We're going to look at verses 5 through 13, and uh, my, as we look at it, you're going to see it's that he loves us too much to... Uh, let us be, what did I, how did I phrase it? To let us live according to our sinful nature. He loves us too much to let us live according to our sinful nature. Now, some of you, when we start to read this, are going to see you have the word flesh in your Bible as well. He loves us too much to let us live according to our flesh. Now, uh, we're going to interact a little bit. I'm going to leave you with two things before we're all done. And, um, uh, but I want us all to be looking at the scriptures as we look at verses 5 through 8, here's the point that I'm going to be making. The point that I'm going to be making is there's two ways of life. There's two different ways to live. My title will make more sense in a minute. There's two different ways to live. And I want you to look at what those two different ways are as we read the scripture. Ruth, can I leave my, can I leave my, my shovel on your walker? Enjoy. Thank you. I kind of dig you. Do you get it? Do you get it? She said, thanks a lot. <laughs> Romans 8, 5 through 13. Let's just read 5, five through eight, 8 right now. Those who live according to the sinful nature are those who live according to the flesh. You see, do you guys have one of the two phrases? Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh or the sinful nature is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God, or the mind governed by the sinful nature is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh, or those controlled, does it say that in your Bible, controlled, or in the realm of? Those controlled or in the realm of the flesh or sinful nature cannot please God. There's two ways of life according to this text. Somebody give me the first one. What's the first way of life? Sinful nature. Controlled by the sinful nature. Or in the, uh, anybody else have any other language in their translation? S sorry? Self? Did say that? By the self. Okay, so you've got more of a, a um, paraphrase. Yeah. 
So remember how this works, you guys. This was written in Greek. And so what we have is translations from English. And, uh, and so there's different ways of rendering another language, right? And so we kind of vector all those pieces together and it helps us understand. Um, so I'm trying to stay with something that's close to what you have in the church Bibles as well. But this, this, the one way to live is, is it's living according to the flesh or according to the sinful nature. Now listen, there's no reason for me to teach you this except that um, it's really fun. And that is that there's a Greek word that I want you to learn, a couple of Greek words today. Okay, the flesh or the sinful nature, let's use the Greek word since the English is a couple different words. It's called sarka. Say that with me, sarka. Sarka, that's the flesh. That's the sinful nature, sarka. Sarka is, it means flesh. It means your body. It means the, the material. It means of the earth. It means of the humanness. It's, it's flesh. It means bodies. It means people. But Paul uses it almost 100% of the time, and in this case, it's that one of those times, where he's writing to the Romans, he uses it with sort of this ethical force to it, where he talks about that uh, human nature as it's corrupted and weakened by sin. Did you hear what I said? He, he's, he's talking about our flesh, our humanness, as merely human, as opposed to spiritual, right, which we're going to get to. But he's saying that this flesh is that human nature thing that is corrupted, it's weakened, it's marred, it's not as we were designed to be. It's not human beings fully in the image of God, which one day will be again in heaven. But it's, we're marred by sin. Now we know, and Ben, I could tell Ben's discomfort last week, he talked a lot about sin last week. We know that's kind of hard to, as it falls on modern ears and postmodern ears a little bit to think about the idea of sin. And yet, if we're going to go through the scriptures verse by verse and say, God, talk to us about what's true, we're going to have to wrestle with the fact, and then we have to pause and reflect and not get all, ah, and realize, no, the human condition is marred and weakened by sin. And all we got to do is look at the person next to you. Go ahead, look at how marred and weakened they are by sin. I meant the newspaper. Look at the newspaper. So this is the flesh. So there's a way of living, and that's living according to the sarka. Living according to, so it's kata sarka. That's according to, according to the flesh. Kata sarka. Say kata sarka. Kata sarka. So one way of living is kata sarka, living according to the flesh. Now, um, we're going to talk in a little bit about the outcomes of that. But as you look at verses 5 through 8, uh, what do you think the it says it's about living according to what the flesh, what Sarka desires, right? Do you see it there? Those who live according, verse 5, those who live according to the Sarka have their minds on what the Sarka desires. What, what are some of the things that the flesh desires? I, not you, but, you know, other people. <laughs> Let's flesh it out, if you will. No, no pun intended. What's it look like? Self-preservation. Self I would even say selfishness would be part of that, right? Yep. What else? Greed. Greed. Satisfaction. What kind of satisfaction? Satisfaction seems okay. I mean, at least. Revenge. Yeah, revenge <laughs> is a version, a wrong version, a weakened version of satisfaction. Yeah. Envy. Pride. Pride. So, uh, uh, an, an inappropriate self-love or selfishness. Yep. What else does the sarka desire? Worldly pleasures. 
Yeah, worldly pleasures, things that, that, uh, that are not from God, but yeah. Anything else come to mind? Being right. Being right. Is that what you said, Lily? Yeah. That's a convicting one. Todd? Self-control, yeah. A lack of self-control, but it's just letting anything go. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. This is one way of living. Katasarka, living according to the flesh, living according to the things that are weakened and messed up in our world. Living that way. That's one way to live. We can live that way. Katasarka. The other way to live, what does it say in verses five through eight? What do you see? They live according to the spirit. Numa is the spirit. Say numa. Okay, katanuma. Katanuma. Katasarka according to the flesh. Katanuma according to the spirit. Katanuma. Come on now. I want a new tattoo. Katanuma. Westmont students. One hundred dollars in real money if you get a katanuma tattoo. Okay. You got it. You heard me say it in public. It's on the internet. Katanuma, we'll even get you the Greek characters. Not katasarka. Listen carefully. If you got katasarka tattooed to your body, would that be the worst? Your grandma would be like, oh, a tattoo. All right, that's cool. What's it mean? And you're like, well, I thought it meant according to the spirit, but no. Katanuma. So the second way of living is katanuma, according to the spirit, right? So what do you think that looks like, you guys, to live according to what the spirit desires? What's that look like? Okay, putting others before ourselves, because now we're, it's the opposite of that selfishness stuff, what my flesh wants, what my sinful nature wants is me, me, me. It's other people first. Good. Thanks, Bella. What else? Service. Service. It looks like serving somebody else, their needs, what they want, what they, what I can do for them. Good. Humbleness. Humility. Because we're putting ourselves lower. What does it look like to actually, these are all, these are great qualities. In fact, some of you are, if you're biblically adept, you're thinking, this sounds like, I mean, uh, Galatians chapter five, right? The, the, the fruit of the sinful nature, it says in Galatians five is anger and rage and malice and envy and slander and, and, and debauchery and all kinds of words that sound dirty, but I don't know what they mean, right? And the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. That sounds like the fruit of the Spirit. For sure, those are all things that are part of living according. Those will come out if we live according to the Spirit, katanuma. Do you want to say katanuma one more time? That's what I thought. But what would it look like to live according to the Spirit? How would we live according to the Spirit? Anybody have any ideas? Okay, yearning and worshiping Jesus, leaning in, wanting what, who Jesus is, being in his presence, yeah? Okay, experiencing peace. Sharing? Sharing love, living into it, for sure, yeah. There's this thing in here about living according to the Spirit. It's really about... Um, well, no, I won't go there yet. It's about living underneath his leading, isn't it? Katasarka, what I want. Katanuma, what Jesus wants. What the Spirit wants for me. 
Those are the two ways of life. Got it? Let's keep digging. Here's the two outcomes, or the two, what I call them? Let me see the next, the results of each way of life. Here's the, here's the two results of each way of life. Let's look at, um, if you look back at five through eight again, what do you see in there that is the result of living according to the flesh or the sinful nature, a living a katasarka? What are some of the, look back at verse five through eight, what are some of the results of that way of life? What do you see? Death. Death. Pastor Ben always uses the word, what's he call it? Death and destruction, which is a great way. Death and mayhem and destruction. It's a great way to, 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 uh, to kind of characterize this because what it means is it's, it's the opposite of life, right? And it means spiritual death, separation from God. So yes, death is what comes when we live according to our flesh, separation from God, and in fact, we start to see things in our world unravel. That's the death and destruction. That's the mayhem. Yeah, what else do you see that is an outcome of katasarka? Hostile, excuse me, hostile to God. Wow. That's kind of a brutal word. Living according to the sinful nature makes us hostile to God. That's what, that's what spiritual death is. We're not going to be connected to him. We're not going to be submissive to him. Doesn't it say something about submission as, as well? I'll relate that to it, or is that just in my head? Does not submit to God's law and can't, right? It's hostile to God, right? So there's a, I'm not submitting to you. I don't want your way. That is a, that's a brutal reality. So death, uh, lack of submission, hostility toward God. Listen, friends, you may have some hostility toward God. But I'm telling you, there's never going to be, you will never experience life as it was designed for you until you find peace with God. Hostility with God is no way to live. It's, you were not created to be hostile to God. And this text says that if you live controlled by your sinful nature, as, a part of, as opposed to the Spirit, you'll find hostility toward God. Yeah. Anything else in there that, that is um, the outcome of living... A, According to the flesh, katasarka. Cannot please God. Did anybody say that already? Did I say it yet? Cannot please God. Those who live according to sinful nature cannot please God. That breaks my heart. Linda, what was the line in the song about pleasing God today? Do you know? I don't know. Was there one? Was there a line about pleasing God? Were you there? <laughs> She's all, thank you for nothing. Bringing me up. Did a great job leading worship, honey. Um, there's something in us, deep, deep, deep in us, that was built to be pleasing to God. And when we live according to the flesh, we're not pleasing him. That breaks my heart. That breaks my heart that any of God's creation who were created in his image to, to live fully who they were designed to be would not be pleasing to God. That's, that's, I, long, I long for that for all of us. Did it come to you yet? No. Okay. So that's the result of katasarka, living according to the flesh. What's the other one called? There's katasarka and 
katanuma. Katanuma. What's the result of katanuma, living according to the Spirit? It says two things, life and peace. It's the opposite of all the other things. There's hostility toward God. No, there's peace with God. There's death and destruction and mayhem. No, there's life. And as Jesus taught, life as it was designed to be, life at its fullest, John 10.10. 10. And in fact, when you go on in the text and, you, and if, you, uh, uh, if we read it all the way through, um, in fact, we will before we're done here, but um, there's, verse, there's life again in um, the Spirit gives life in verse 10. Um, verse 11, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies. Um, verse 13, for if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death of the misdeeds of the body, you will what? Live. The fruit, the result of living according to the Spirit is life and peace. So here's the point. Here's the summary of it. We're talking about life and death. We're talking about what we were designed to be and what exactly opposite what we were designed to be. We're talking, and the death piece is pretty bleak. But the text goes on to teach that as Christians... The good news is he loves us too much. This is why I kind of called that my theme today. He loves us too much to let us live subjected to our sinful nature, to our flesh. He's created another way. He's given us the opportunity to live submissive to the Spirit. And so I want you to read with me all of verse 9 through 11. And I'm going to ask us a couple questions about that as we close up uh, this morning. Verses 9 through 11. You, however, I mean, well, go back. You got to just look at eight again and see it. Those who are in, this, in the realm of the flesh or controlled by the flesh. Some of you have realm. I like the fact that realm is one of the translations. You're in the realm of the flesh. That means you're in the control of the flesh. You're in the kingdom of the flesh. You're living subjected to the flesh, right? Okay, or controlled, it may say in your Bible. Those who are controlled by the sinful nature, verse eight, cannot please God. Verse nine, you, however... That's not you, is what the text is saying. See, when we go dig in and we dig in deep and we go line by line, slowly and carefully, we're like, whoa, yeah, life, death, living selfishly, living for myself, living for my body, living or living for the spirit. Like I resonate with all that. And then you just think, this is brutal, hostile to God, can't please God. And then verse nine comes along. You, however, you don't live that way. You believers, he says, you people that know Jesus, you don't have to live that way. You, however, verse 9, are not controlled by the sinful nature, are not in the realm of the flesh, as we say. But, it, but you're in, controlled by the Spirit, or you're in the realm of the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God lives in you. Now, I'm going to ask you a question through this. Tell me something you're learning from this passage. What's some truths about, about God and us and our relationship with God? Verse 9 again. You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, are not controlled by the flesh, but are in the realm of the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God lives in you, and if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his Spirit who lives in you. What did you learn in that text? What are some truths there that it's teaching? What'd you notice? This is how you do Bible study. You go, what's that? What did it say? What did it say? What did I notice? What's the truth in there? Okay, perfect. Thanks, Bella. The Spirit gives us life. That's one thing it says. Mm-hmm. What else? 
The body is, is dead. Even though your body's dead, yeah, the spirit gives life. Yep, so our, our body, our flesh is dead. Even where there's death, there's going to be life. Good. What else do you see in there? Todd? That we're going to go to heaven. That's right. That's right. He's going to give life to our mortal bodies, and we're going to be in heaven with him. That's good news, isn't it? That is awesome. What else do you see? Here's one thing I'm looking for. You don't have to live that way if you have Christ. You missed it because it was so obvious. If we have Christ. He says, if, if Christ isn't in you, you don't belong to Christ. So the flip, is, flip side is what he's trying to, the point he's trying to make. If Christ is in you, then you have the Spirit. Let me remind you, you guys, of, of, the, of the theology around the, around the Holy Spirit. That when you have said yes to the good news of Jesus' forgiveness, he died on the cross to suffer the penalty of all the world's sin. And when you say, thank you for doing that for me, I received that gift, that's called becoming a Christian. And when that happens, you receive the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And so what this passage is saying is, is do you, the result of this life is you don't have to, you do not have to be controlled by the flesh. You can be controlled by God himself, by the Spirit, if you've said yes to Jesus, if you're a Christian. I have two things that I want to leave you with, you guys, and the first one is around this thing is, who rules my life? Because this, this truth about death and life and controlled by the sinful nature or controlled by the Spirit comes down to the question of who rules my life. Because if we've given ourselves to Jesus as our Lord, then his Holy Spirit dwells in us and we do not have to live the death and destruction and mayhem of living according to this, the, the sarka, the, the sinful nature. And so I just, before we go today, I got to, one of the two things I have to leave you with is, have you made the decision, have you made the choice to say, yes, God, I want to receive your forgiveness, a relationship with you and your Holy Spirit within me? Have you become a Christian in that black and white way? Because it is that black and white to say in faith, all that I understand about you, God, I'm ready to say, yes, I want that. Because if so, then the spirit of Christ is in you, then you don't have to live according to the flesh. And that's what the text is teaching. It's like, you don't have to live that way if you have Christ. Because we have this power of life within us, because that's the Holy Spirit. How do you do that? You literally, as an act of faith in your heart and in your mind, go, God, everything I understand about you in this thing, I I want that. I want to receive life from you, forgiveness. I want to give my life to you as my Lord. That's what becoming a Christian looks like. And if some of you were like, I think I just wanted that right now, you just became a Christian right now. That's the beauty of the simplicity of the good news of Jesus. We'll talk more about that if you'd like to talk about that. But maybe today's the day for some of you to make the choice and say, yep, I'm a Christian. I'll receive you, God, into my life. So who rules my life is the big question. Because if I rule my life, then I'm still subject to the fruit of that. But if God rules my life, then I'm able to allow the Holy Spirit to give guidance. 
The last thing I want to leave you is out of the last two verses. And it says this. It says uh, that we have an obligation. Look back at your verse, verse 12 and 13. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it is not to the flesh to live according to. It's not to Sarka. Your obligation is not to Sarka. How many times has he made this point? It's so good. It's just over and over again. For if you live according to Sarka, there's death and mayhem. But if, you, but if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. We have an obligation, and the obligation is to put to death the misdeeds of the body. I know that sounds all moralistic. I know that sounds super religious. I know that sounds like it's like you have misdeeds in your body. Think about this concept of the misdeeds of the body is the flesh, the humanness, and all its brokenness and all its maredness doing whatever it feels is best and whatever it wants to do. That's living according to the flesh. And he says, no, you have an obligation, and it's not to do that. It's to live, it's to, by the power of the Holy Spirit, put that stuff to death. See, we have this obligation to do it. It may be true that we've said yes to Jesus and his Holy Spirit is in us, but the flesh is still hanging around. Can anybody give testimony to that? And so our obligation is to put down the misdeeds of the body, the brokenness of the flesh, the selfishness and all that fruit that we were talking about, to slay it by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's our obligation. So our obligation is to live in to following the Holy Spirit and receiving his power, healing, transformation, leading, guiding, and saying no to the other stuff. That's our obligation. There's a word for it. There's a theological term for it. In big theological books on my shelf, it's called mortification. It means put it to death by the life-giving power of the Spirit. Or if you live according to the Holy Spirit, he brings life. Mortification, that's why Pastor Art wrote this book called God Kills. Nobody gets the title, nobody likes the title. He's like 40 years in ministry. This sums it up because God slays this stuff in us that should no longer exist. And it sold like eight copies. So, (laughs) they're all over the office. Yeah, here you go. Did I really give you that last week? You better read it then, because that was, that was scary that you were second time. <laughs> Romans 6 puts it this way. Look at this verse as we close. This is a great verse. Romans 6 says, In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin. Think of yourselves as dead to sin, dead to the flesh but alive to God in Christ, alive to that Holy Spirit. Think of yourselves as alive to God and dead to this other stuff. Do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Don't offer parts of your body, any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. For sin, what does it say? Shall no longer be your master. See, that's what it's about. Sin doesn't, the flesh doesn't have to master us any longer. And so our obligation is to live under the control of the Holy Spirit. Friends, is there something in your life? Two things I was going to leave you. One, have you said yes to Jesus and received the gift of the Holy Spirit? So you're in that realm? That's how we start. Two, is there something in your life that is more death and mayhem and destruction than it is, and it's more sarka than it is pneuma? 
And is it time even today to say, man, I don't have to live that way? Verse 9, you, however, do not have to live according katasarka. Is there something in your life that has more death and mayhem to it because it's katasarka as opposed to katanuma? Do you need to invite the Spirit to come and put to death the things that should no longer be in you? That you would no longer in that area, that one thing, be hostile to God, dead to God, and not pleasing God. This isn't about morals, friends. This is about a relationship with our Father that lives itself out often in morality and actions. So access the power of the Holy Spirit and live according to his leading and his life-changing power within you and put to death the things that should no longer be. That's what we do. It's our obligation. It's our duty. It's our obedience to the Lord. And in it, we please God and we become the people full of power, full of um, integrity, full of beauty, full of love for the world that we were designed to be. Oh, that pleases God.